hello and get ready. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve Castle of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny for those who are willing to open their hearts to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to radically display the Father's love for you. You are part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. Called King and Kingdom. And I, I love this because in America you say king, and there's that little false patriotic person on the inside that says, oh, oh I'm going to do whatever I want. It's the teenager. Um, and then you say kingdom, and you got this whole, like, a dog looking at a new dish thing going on in your soul, like, what's a kingdom? Because we live in a republic. We do not live in a democracy. Don't make me go there. We live in a republic. A constitutional republic. Which I will actually get to in the King and Kingdom series later on. And in this republic, we don't really grasp the concept of kingdom. And as Americans in 2020, we totally don't grasp the concept of king. Because the only king you've ever known is you. And what people don't realize is that you weren't actually a king when you thought you were a king doing your own thing. You were just deceived by the prince of the world. His name is Satan to make you think that you're doing things your way. I thought I was doing things my way, eating two supersized value meals a day. <laughs> I was deceived. I wasn't in charge. He was in charge. To kill, to steal, and to destroy. Until I submitted my will to my father, I was never free. Liberty and freedom only come through the Spirit of God. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You have never been free unless you are allowing the Holy Spirit to bring direction into your life. <laughs> I know that's a deep concept. But this series, that's why this series is important, is because I know I'm preaching mostly, there's, there's people all over the world that are watching, but I'm mostly preaching to Americans. And if we can, if we can get past this American churchianity and get into sonship and discipling of our Father, then we can experience the benefits and the fruits of, of, for what He has for our lives. Which for everyone in this room, you were created for a divine destiny. Yeah. Not a career, not a job, not barefoot and pregnant, not whatever the world tells you. Not a house with a white picket fence and 2.5 kids and a dog. That's not, that's the world trying to get you distracted into its opinion of what your life's supposed to look like. You were created for a divine destiny. Which means your Father created you for a heavenly purpose. And unless you are working on accomplishing that purpose, um, some of those things that we coin in this world called like midlife crisis, yeah, there's no such thing. Midlife crisis is destiny crisis. 
It's because you hit 50 and you know that you've done jack. And so what some guys will do, go buy a convertible and swap wives. And then they find out 10 years later that that was like the worst direction. That was worse than the midlife crisis. You should have just stayed in a crisis. Um, the world will tell you, well, just change something. Change a habit, you know, get, get you a, a, a new hobby. Like a hobby is going to make all the goo go away. Give me a break. But th- there's a bunch of psychology about how you deal with this stuff. And I'm not a psychologist. I'm a minister. And I'll tell you that the reason that something on the inside of you is saying, hey, maybe it's, we're built for more than this, is because you are. <laughs> You're not built to, be, built to be a 40-hour work at a factory guy for 40 years and get a pension and hope that everything works out and your wife doesn't kill you in your sleep. Because it happens. Chris, I'm just saying it happens sometimes. You were built for a destiny. A divine destiny. And until you're in that, there's always going to be something on the inside saying, man, I don't know. Is this it? Is this it? Is this it? And it makes you do terrible things if you're not listening to God. This is where divorces come from. This is where um, child abuse comes from. This is where, where terrible financial decisions come from. This is where credit card debt comes from. It, just, it's, it has fruits in a ton of terrible, bad things. When you could just submit yourself to the destiny that God has for you, and you're actually created to do it, And you're going to be like a cog that was built for the gear that you're going into. It's just going to, it's going to thread so beautifully. And you're like, why didn't I do this before? I know! That's what I said a lot when we planted the church. Like, man, this is way better than running 63 restaurants and dealing with hourly associates that I wasn't legally allowed to kill. Today, we're going to talk about the king's reign. And I want to remind you of the statement that we made when we started this series, that the reputation and the character of the king, the reputation and the character of the king, is going to be portrayed or illustrated in the lives of his nobles and his citizens. Selah. If you believe that you're a citizen of the kingdom of God, if you believe that you're a noble, a royal priest is what it says in 1 Peter 2.9. A royal priesthood. If you believe that you're a royal priesthood, a chosen generation of peculiar people, a citizen of the kingdom of God, then your life the way you live your life, your conversation, the motivations of your heart, the direction of your affection is a direct parallel to who you believe the King to be. And for some of us, that's awesome. For some, not so awesome. 
which is why we need to get this. Because the world looks at you as the only visible reflection of an invisible God that they can find. You are the visible reflection of the invisible God. And what are they seeing in you? A terrible neighbor that's throwing dog stuff over the fence? Guy that gets mad in traffic all the time and gives people one finger waves? Treat your wife like a live-in servant? Tolerate kids? Uh, we can go on. But they're going to think that's how God is. Especially when you say, what did you do on Sunday? I went to church because I'm a Christian. You're a Christ in. Yep, I'm a Christ in. So Christ in you made you steal my stapler off my desk yesterday. <laughs> well, it's a reflection on your king. Because that person, you're going to say, well, you know, I mean, I, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm, nobody's perfect. That's our good, re, that's our good response, right? As, as bad Christians, we just say, well, nobody's perfect. And they're going to say, is Jesus perfect? Well, yeah. So nobody but Jesus is perfect. Yeah. Where is Jesus? He's in me. Now I'm confused. No, you just need some good doctrine. Let me, let me help you with the doctrine. See, I'm super broken as a human. But He's perfect. And so He moved in me to help me deal with my brokenness. So perfect moved into you and left you broke. So when you were born again, you were born again the same like a redo. Alright, mulligan. See, we think that we got born again. We got, we got cleaned and fresh on that moment. We got born again. From above, Jesus said, unless you're born from above, you're not, you're only born of the earth. Earthy. If you're born from above, you're born of above substance. Heaven. The Father. So if you screwed up the firstborn, anybody mess up the first time you were born? All the other people that didn't raise your hands, you're going to need an altar call today. Because <laughs> we all know you. <laughs> you need the altar. If, if we were so aware of screwing up the firstborn, if you could screw up the secondborn, don't you think you would? That's why it wasn't your born. It was his born. So it couldn't be defiled. It is actually normal. Normal. For you to live as Christ. Because that's your nature. It's actually your nature. And people know this by default 
They just won't admit it. When you see someone sick, even if you don't believe in healing, if you, even if you go to a ter- uh, different church, <laughs> sorry, it slipped. Even if you go to a different church that doesn't believe in healing, Something on the inside of you, when you see a hurting, sick person, says, "You look at all the the young people that go into nursing and medicine and and psychology and social services and all this kind of stuff. Like these things are are filled. These programs in colleges are filled. Why? Because young people are still so naive that they believe that they can help." And they, they want to relieve the hurting of the world. The problem is the best version of you, what do you have to offer? You can only give what you have. And broken people break people. Hurting people hurt people. Healed people heal people. Loved people love people. People who've received mercy give mercy. So you know on the inside of you there's something that stirs us says, man, I, I don't like it that people are sick. I don't like it that people are hurting. I don't like it that people are in poverty. These lockdowns that the government has done to the world, by the way, the world, um, I just read yesterday, is going to cause in the next um, nine months, I think it was, in the next nine months, 130 million people in the world, will starve to death because of the lockdowns disrupting the food supply chains. I don't know if you heard that. 130 million people will starve to death because our government cares for people. That should, when I say that 70 million innocent babies were slaughtered in the womb of their mother, because instead of, them, instead of calling them babies, we call them fetuses, and so it makes it okay to murder it. If you can hear that, and you say, well, it's just, it's just stuff. You know, there's something on the inside of you that's like, oh my God. Now, you might choose to ignore it. You might choose to not do nothing about it. What I'm saying is that you know that there's a divine nature. There's a divine imprint that's on you that you know is leading you into that nature and that character. The difference between you and Jesus is He did it. He followed it. He followed that passion. He followed that compassion. He followed the virtue that was flowing out of Him and brought salvation and power and healing and deliverance to those that were hurting. That's the only difference between Jesus and the nature on the inside of you is that He took it to the end. So I'm going to teach you to take it to the end. So you can have that. The divine life that you were created for. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And you do reflect... Your king and his kingdom, whether you know it or not. And I want you to reflect him well. Because he's worthy to be reflected well. In Luke chapter 12, 
verses 29 through 32. I I encourage you to uh, maybe later today go in your in your Bible in your two-edged sword and read the rest of Luke. He said some really powerful things that led to this statement. Remember, if you don't have context, if you take the the con the text out of the context, all you got left is a con. And I don't ever want someone to say, well, Steve was conning me with verses. No, I want you to go and read the context so that you know I'm not making this stuff up. He's actually talking about the same thing I was talking about. In fact, Jesus, pretty much all of his conversations were about the kingdom. I'm going to do this real quick. Go to the very end. I'm just going to read through these. I'm just going to prove what I just said. Jesus's. have you ever heard anybody say this? Um, Keith Moore uh, reminded me of this when I heard him uh, preach a message one time. He said he was watching TV and there was a bunch of talking heads on TV talking and they were interviewing preachers. And, and one of the interviewers said to one of the preachers, he said, well, didn't Jesus preach love, love and acceptance, love and inclusion? And he said these three preachers that were up there were kind of like caught off guard and like, well, yeah, yeah, Jesus preached love and, and acceptance, love and inclusion. And Keith said he was watching his TV show and he said immediately on the inside of him, Jesus said, no, I did not. And Keith Moore said, you didn't? (laughs) I thought you did. He said, no, I did not. And usually the people that are saying you need to preach, that Jesus preached love and acceptance means that you need to love them in their broken ways and you need to accept their sin. Which Jesus never did. Ever. Hey, you're healed. Go and sin no more. <laughs> and so he said, well, what did you preach, Lord? He said, you should look. And so Keith went and looked. <laughs> and um, the thing is, is that we don't know. If I was to tell you, tell me what Jesus preached. Write it out right now. You, most of you would be like, don't look this way. I don't like pop quizzes. We're at church. We don't have to take tests. (laughs) But most people wouldn't have an answer. Well, he preached love. Let me ask you this. How many people did Jesus say, I love you to? (laughs) You've been in church too long. Craig's, Craig, Craig's heard me preach this from years ago. Some of you haven't, so I was trying to hook you. Craig, Craig's such a good student that he remembers everything I preached from years ago. Amen. Jesus never one time ever, ever, ever said, I love you to a single person. Amen. Let that pop your popcorn. Because most people like Jesus, most people think Jesus just floated around from rock to rock and told everybody he loved them. He didn't. Not one time did he ever tell anybody he loved them. He showed it. They knew they were loved. In other words, if you got to say it, probably the people you're saying it to don't know it. Maybe I don't know. Maybe you're different. A lot of people think that Jesus just... You know, I've heard so many people say, well, Jesus was friend of sinners. He hung out with the, with the harlots and He hung out with the drunkards. 
Yeah. I agree. He befriended people from every spectrum, every place of life. I completely agree. But if you stop there, you've just maligned his character. Because the Scripture says, Be ye holy as I am holy. Holy means separated. So if you say, well, Jesus was friends of sinners, and you're saying like, oh, yeah, he was just palling around with the drunks and the, and the hookers down there at the bar. No. He was friendly to sinners. Which was contrary of the religious people of his day who looked down on in disdain and hatred people that weren't as holy as them. Jesus went to them and brought them up. When Jesus was your friend, if you were a drunk, you probably didn't want to drink anymore being friends with Jesus. Some of you that live in homes that have stuff going on in your homes that that you don't like or don't appreciate, let me give you one of the greatest clues that you could ever have about affecting affecting your home life. If you have a bad spouse or kids that are whatever, this is the greatest thing that you'll ever learn. The more you live Christ, the more that person that lives in your house is either going to be drawn or repelled. It's not nagging. It's not subtly posting scriptures all over the house. Well, I hope my terrible husband reads this one on the posting note. He ain't. I can tell you, I was once a terrible husband, and I'm not walking around the house reading all the post-its. I got stuff to do, and it ain't read your post-its. The best thing you can do is live Christ. If your terrible spouse lived with Jesus for a week, you think it would affect them? You, you say, oh yeah, you believe that. You know what you should do? Do it! <laughs> and tell me the testimony. Because I did it. Why do you think Kay is so holy? I've been doing it. <laughs> Let me tell you what Jesus preached. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. I'm going to be good at this because I just recorded... i seen Jim. Uh, I just recorded a bunch of verses for Jim and Pam. They're doing a digital chaplain, and so I read a bunch of verses really fast. Well, it wasn't really fast. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. And from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Two words you don't want to hear in church. Repent and discipline. Common words for Jesus, uncommon for His people. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Not very many verses later, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. So he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom and then he showed it. (laughs) How be? You know, a lot of us like to talk about how, you know, when we get to heaven, whoo! going to be some kind of awesome up there. Jesus said, hey, let me tell you about heaven. Heaven's awesome. Now, let me show you. Bam. That was awesome. I know. It's just like heaven. He did both. 
He talked about it and showed it. <laughs> show and tell, except he did it in reverse. Tell and show. Matthew 9.35. This is still Matthew. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And healing every once in a while some kind of sickness and disease if it was really terrible. This is why you need to read your Bibles. Because I just misquoted the Scriptures and only two people yelled at me. And healing every kind of sickness and disease among the people. If there was a Rona in Jesus' day, what would He do? (laughs) You bunch of kooks. So Jesus wouldn't hide from the Rona. Should you be like Jesus? It's kind of funny that I have to say these things in church. Like, I feel like like it's preschool or something. But, I mean, the whole... We're one of the few churches open. (laughs) Again. (laughs) Why? Because they're hiding from the Rona. We, I wish Bob was here. We were, for a long time, we were keeping track of scalps. We were taking scalps on how many people we've seen healed of the Rona. And we lost track. He might be winning, but he, got, he went to St. Louis. I think there's a lot of Rona. <laughs> Is it hard for God to heal COVID? Is it harder to heal a headache or COVID? Is it hard for God to heal cancer? AIDS, HIV, autism. Someone please name me something hard for God to heal. (laughs) Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7. We're still in Matthew. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What did Jesus preach? If you look up that statement, Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, and you actually look at it in the original language in the Greek, he actually said that the kingdom of heaven is in your hand. That's what the devil doesn't want you to do within six feet. Like, touch people. Guess what God wants you to do? Who are you going to believe? Careful, if you violate the social distancing, somebody will get mad. No, people. I was, uh, um, I've been a very uh, arduous supporter of the Salvation Army, and so this weekend I had the opportunity to ring the bell. I ring the bell two, three, four, five, six times a season. And I was stationed at the main entrance of Walmart, which is kind of funny because... There's only one entrance now at Walmart. Somehow that saves us from the coronavirus by going in and out of one door. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. So I was ringing the bell at the Walmart. 10 o'clock in the morning. I think it was Friday. Um, I can't remember now. And it was cold. (laughs) And uh, 
and I was, I was loving it. When I ring the bell for the Salvation Army, for the Salvation Army, I'm thinking about salvation for the folks. I'm not trying to get money. If they give me money, whatever. I mean, they're not giving it to me. If they put it in the kettle, praise God, they put it in the kettle, whatever. I, I'm actually trying to, to have an opportunity to bring salvation for the army that I'm representing. And so when I'm ringing the bell, I am, hey, good morning! Glad you came! Merry Christmas! And I can't wear a mask. I probably could. That was a lie. I won't wear a mask. <laughs> outside because <laughs> that's just ignorant so I I don't have a mask on and I'm greeting everyone if you went to Walmart you got greeted and if you left Walmart you got greeted and it was just that it wasn't it's not fake I'm not stirring it up like I really love people <laughs> hey welcome to Walmart glad you came you know Jesus loves you Merry Christmas Happy holiday, whatever. Whatever comes to my heart comes out of my lips. Which is a great thing, sometimes. And I'm doing this, and I am telling you, 50%, half of every one of those people didn't acknowledge that I was alive. Not a nod, not a blink. Not even some of them would turn their head and give me the honor of a muscle twitch. That is what the devil's trying to do in the pandemic. Humanity has become your enemy. Stay at least six feet away. Cover your face. Don't touch. Don't go near. Definitely don't interact with. And it was 50%. It's working. What should we do? The kingdom of heaven is in your hand. Matthew twenty four fourteen. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world. This is still Matthew. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world. For a witness unto all nations. The word nations is ethos. It means all different ethnic groups. In the whole world. And then the end will come. If you're really tired of living down here and you're one of those people and you just got to escape. And you got a, you got a flee mentality. Let me help you. Preach the gospel of the kingdom. If you got to go, like if you want the whole world to end tomorrow, well then go preach the gospel of the kingdom everywhere. Because Jesus said, when that happens, then the end will come. So if you really got to get out of here, go preach the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. Not the gospel of your interpretation. Not the gospel of your opinion. Not the gospel of CNN. Dear Jesus the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom. Luke 4, 43, And He said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also. For I was sent for this purpose. Why was Jesus sent? 
Okay, let me, let me, let me help you. What's probably sending you? Oh, dang. No, no, that was, that was not a good response. Let's start over. Don't answer. Nobody say nothing. We'll all just be really like, hmm, that's a deep thought. Jesus said, the reason that I'm here is to go and preach, proclaim, declare the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus, that's His purpose. So then the Jesus that's in you, what do you think His purpose is? Don't answer. Just do, hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. Anybody that's 35 or older knows what I just said. (laughs) Acts chapter 1, verse 3. Does anybody know when Acts took place? After the crucifixion. It was after, after. Okay, so after the Gospels were over, the Gospels, right, because that's what everybody says we're supposed to preach. After the Gospels were over, we see Jesus, and He preached something. I wonder what Jesus... Did you put it up already? I wonder what Jesus preached. To whom also He showed Himself... This is Jesus. He showed Himself alive. Man, I would love to preach on that statement right there. After His passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. For forty days after he was resurrected. He spent forty days teaching these guys and gals. One thing. And you have probably never sat in a church that has done a series on the kingdom of God. The last, almost the very last verse of the book of Acts. So this is almost the very first verse of the book of Acts, which is Jesus telling them for 40 days in the flesh, y'all. Wouldn't you like to have been alive or been around like, hey, did you hear Jesus is resurrected? Yeah, I heard. It's awesome. Woo, we've been following him all these years and he's resurrected. He's having a meeting over at Beloved. Woo, let's go. Jesus is having a meeting. And we show up. Everybody sits down. Say, okay, I want to tell you all about the kingdom. Is there something better? More exciting? Can you like make glory shoot out of your fingernails? Right? Can you make angels sing? Gold dust. Can we have some gold dust? Alright, almost the last verses of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 28, verses 30 and 31. This is the end of Paul's ministry. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching... Well, howdy doody. Look at there. It's like there's this common thing. So it was basically what Jesus preached. Before and after the whole cross thing, 
And then here we have Paul at the very end of his ministry just saying, look, I'm just wrapping it up. What you talking about today, Paul? What I talked about yesterday. Well, I know, but we heard it yesterday, so what's you gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna give me something new? We need something new. God, do a new thing. Don't ever, in my presence, ever say or pray that. It's a misinterpretation of Scripture. And I will fuss at you. Worse than right now. You don't need a new thing. You need to get the thing. Which was new. The new covenant. So what is a kingdom? It is God's reign and realm. So here's the question I have for you. Where does God have control? Don't answer, because you're going to embarrass yourself. Where is God in control? Everywhere. God's in control of everything. I don't know what God's trying to do through the pandemic. I don't know why God killed great-grandpa Frank. Had to look around, make sure I didn't name someone in the room. <laughs> Anybody here named Frank? I don't know why God took little little infant Susie with sudden death infant syndrome. I don't I don't know why I I was in a car wreck. Said God must have been teaching me something through my car wreck. I don't know why I was cutting onions the other day for my family and cut my finger off. God must be showing me something as a nine-fingered person. (laughs) He's got something to teach me. Because He's in control of everything. Everything that happens is God. When I got beat up when I was a little kid, that was God. When, When the bully at school took my lunch money, that was God. God comes in many forms. Sometimes He's a bully. Sometimes he, he molests people. Sometimes He rapes people. Sometimes He kills people. But it's all God. It's just God, 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 God everywhere. Well, I'm saying it that way and you're like, well, come on, man. But I mean, God's got to be in control of something. What's He in control of? <laughs> Getting a lot of answers. We probably need to know this. It's important as God's people to know what God's in charge of, right? I think so. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're tuning out. Uh, Psalm 115, verse 16. I know I'm all over Mitch, but you're anointed. Psalm 115, verse 16. This is really cool. Guess what the Bible will tell you? Pretty much everything. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. So what's God in charge of? What's He not in charge of? Well, looky there. So you're saying all the bad stuff happening down here is not God? You're a crazy church. I thought God was in charge of everything. He's in control, in charge of everything. Everything that happens is God, right? Uh oh. I just heard. Did you hear that? That was somebody's sacred cow grown into death. 
It's one of my favorite sounds in life. Hearing sacred cows die. Ooh, it's like, hey, fire up the grill, buddy. Having ribs tonight. Kill them cows. This sovereignty of God thing, this thing where you think God's in charge and control of everything, actually is you worshiping Satan. Nobody, that cow needs to die right there. And and it's said so often by so many people that it's got to be in the gospel, right? I had somebody call me one time. It was like 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning. Pastor, please, please tell me. I cannot, I've been looking. Please tell me where the serenity prayer is in the Bible. Uh, I know you're laughing, those of you that know why it's funny. Some of you don't. Um, There is no serenity prayer in the Bible. It was made up by people, and it's a terrible prayer. And you should get the book on prayer if you want (laughs) to. But here's the thing, like they were up all night long. Here's the thing that bothered me. They were up all night long looking for the serenity prayer in the Bible and missed the Bible while they were hunting the serenity prayer. And then called me to tell them that the serenity prayer is not in the Bible and it's ungodly. And they didn't call me back. I don't know why. Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. This will shock you. This has been in your Bible for at least a week. Maybe two. And the devil said... Anybody heard of the devil? Does anybody think that there's actually a devil? Or is it just like a figment of of evil incantation? And There's not actually a devil, not actually a Satan. It's just like the Bible puts it in there just to like make everybody get thrown off. Okay, there's a devil. There's a Satan... And he hates you, and he hates your family, and he hates your health, and he hates your God. And he'll do anything he can, in any way he can, to show you his utter hatred for you by destroying, killing, and stealing everything and anything he can get his greasy, dirty, crumpled paws on. Now, I know a bunch of you don't believe me. Because if you did, it would change your lifestyles. Because you wouldn't give him entrance into your lives. The main entrance that he gets into your life is attitude. <laughs> I can't even preach on that. We'll go back to the Bible. Because some of you are looking at me with attitude right now. And the devil takes him, Jesus... Up into a high mountain. The devil took Jesus into a high mountain. You guys get that? Jesus was human. He was submitted to how things worked on this planet. And the devil took Jesus. Oh, Nelly. I think there's a sacred cow that's drawing deep breaths. And the devil taking him up into a high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms 
of the world in a moment of time. This was supernatural. And the devil said unto him, All this power, that word power is exousia. It means authority. All this authority will I give you and the glory of them. Because, here's why, they've been delivered unto me. They are mine. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, the devil's a liar. True, good thought. But, in this instance, I know, radical, he told the truth. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a temptation. If he was lying, Jesus would have known he was lying. He'd say, you can't even give it to me anyway. Lion snake. No, this was a temptation. Okay, those of you that have your Bible, look at the top of the page. What does it say? The temptation of Jesus. If it wasn't a temptation, this wouldn't be in the Bible. This was a temptation. Satan owned all of the kingdoms of the world, and he was offering them to Jesus. Well, America is a Christian nation. Belongs to God. I would double dog dare you to turn on your television. We just drove through, we came back from late last night. We were in Lake Geneva. And we were driving by through the little town over by the Rock River. I can't remember the name of the little town. And they have a great big park right on the corner. And this park was just from end to end. This entire park was decorated in Christmas stuff. That town. And no nativity scene. Got Santa Claus, you got the Christmas trees, you got candy canes, you got elves, you got everything but Christ. Christian nation. Christian nations don't shut their church down. Christian nations don't threaten to put pastors in a jail for preaching the gospel in a pandemic that would bring healing to a bunch of people who are sick in a pandemic. Was America founded as a Christian nation? Yes. Were the founding fathers, did they make decisions based in biblical values and Christian values? Yes. Am I a... Don't, maybe you don't want to answer this. Am I a Christian man based in biblical and, and Holy Spirit truths? Yes. Does that mean by default that my children are going to live that way? No. They have to make choices for themselves. I'll, I'll help them. But they don't, you don't become Christian because your parents were Christian. It doesn't get in you from the womb. It, you don't, if you don't get it by osmosis, like, well, I walked by a Christian at work and so now I'm Christian. No, that's a that's COVID. <laughs> All this authority will I give unto you and the glory of them that is delivered. The word delivered means to hand over. To give to. It also means to betray. What did what did the snake do to Eve in the garden? Betrayed her. What did he get? The world. The world. He got the world. 
This is His. We are in the world, but not of the world. I know, look, I get it that this is wrinkling some of your brains. I, I get it. That doesn't make it less true. It just makes it hard. Listen, it says in Matthew 8, 30, 31, and 32 that Jesus was teaching the, the disciples, the Jews that were actually believing on Him. He said, if you continue in My Word, you will be My disciple indeed. And then He says that famous John eight thirty two, And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So truth makes free. So deception makes bondage. And a bunch of Christians are in bondage. Let me tell you something else about the truth. Before the truth makes you free, most of the time it irritates the stuffing out of you. Before it makes you free, it makes you mad. But when you hear truth and it makes you mad, if you hang with it, you get free. I will give it, I will, uh, for that is delivered unto me to whomsoever I will, I give it. Dear Jesus. Do you know how many Christians believe that it's God putting in the president or not? (laughs) Well, if God wants Trump in office, then Trump will get in office. Which God? Which God? Because this God, Satan, says, I put people in authority in these nations. Okay, this ain't resonating. Either that or your cows are really, really full of life. So does that mean that every president we have is from Satan? No! It means that God's people actually did something. They took the authority in Jesus' name. They took the character and the nature, the divine nature that was on the inside of them. And they did this really amazing, supernatural, unique thing. And they went into a voting booth before they had dominion machines. And they voted on paper. And they elected someone that they believed was going to be good for the nation. And then preachers came along and said, don't do that voting stuff. Politics is dirty. You guys stay out of voting. And Satan came along and said, thank you very much. We'll just go ahead and then elect people without any resistance from you Christians. And then they decided to kill 70 million babies and put you into a pandemic. And Jesus was offered in verse 7 to worship Him. You're being offered the same thing. That's why your TV glows. So you can be entranced. If you will therefore worship me, all shall be thine. You know what the real offer was? Do you know that Jesus came to get all power and all authority in the whole universe? That's what He came to do. You know what the enemy was offering Him? The microwave version. You know what the enemy does to you to get you off track? All the time. If you do it this way, it's shortcut. You want some peace? Take this drug. Smoke this. You'll get peace. Do you want to... We got... Where's Brian? Brian drove from Oklahoma. God bless you, Brian. 
Brian drove from Oklahoma yesterday morning. He left at 9 o'clock in the morning to come to church. I, I know. I, you heard it. Like, wow. You know why that's wow? Because there's people across the street that don't care. What the pearl of great price that Brian seen was a nasty clam to people across the street. I will bet you 50 bucks that Brian gets the grace that he came here to get and more. And the exact same God that would do that for Brian would be willing to do that for the folks across the street. But it's way too far to walk the 90 seconds across the street and do that Christian stuff. (laughs) If you just do it Satan's way, you'll get it quick. Hey, if you steal that money, you'll have more money. If you just do that career thing, then you'll get good retirement. Right? If you just go if you just go swoon that hottie, then you'll get all the juices you want to get flowed. Who needs marriage waste of a stupid piece of paper? I don't need a piece of paper telling me I'm married. You don't. Well then get one. If you don't need it, then get it. The reason you can't, because that paper represents a covenant, represents a contract. And you don't want to be contractually together. You don't want to be together in covenant. Because then, if you want to leave, you've got to break something. It makes it harder. It's easy to leave if you don't have a covenant or a contract. Just come and go as you please. When you get done using that person, you go find you another one. When you get done using that one... Go find you another one. That's that's why you don't want any contracts on nothing. In the in the Bible days, you didn't get married by contract. You got married by covenant, and the covenant was in blood. And if you broke the covenant, you were broken. They killed you. What do you think people did when they had problems in their marriage? Hey, worked about. <laughs> Let's see. I can work out this problem or die. Honey, what's your favorite color? <laughs> if, it's, if it's really love, you'd be willing to do whatever it takes for it. And you'd be willing to commit for a lifetime. If it's love. I know I got to be done. You all got that look in your eyes. Verse 8 And Jesus answered and said unto him, I reject your microwave version of my destiny. I am going to go to the cross. I am going to do what my Father needs me to do. To accomplish the mission that I was placed here to accomplish. And I will do it 
with only my worship going to my Father. And I will end, eventually have every nation, every tongue, and every tribe of this universe as mine by conquest, not by treachery. Get thee behind me, Satan. Because the Word of God says that only the Father in heaven is worthy of worship. The enemy's coming to you every day with shortcuts to get to a kingdom. Even you spirit-filled people, because Jesus was spirit-filled when He was being tempted. Jesus, the King, reigns where He has dominion. And where He has dominion is in heaven and inside of your permitted will. And anywhere outside of that, He is looking to get dominion, but has yet had dominion. Why do you think He wants His will to expand in your life? The more of your life that He has dominion in, the more He can do heaven things. If He gets dominion in your physical body, your physical body is going to have heavenly things. How many sicknesses are in heaven? Diseases? Wrinkles? Do you want to deal with your wrinkle problem? (laughs) I don't know if that works. (laughs) It sounded good. How about finances? How much poverty and lack in heaven? How many how many electric bills in the mailbox in heaven? Radical. You want your finances to operate in a heavenly dynamic? Well then submit your finances to the king. Because wherever he has dominion, wherever he reigns, it looks like heaven. We, we can follow you around with a, ch- with a clipboard and find out real quick where God has dominion and reign in your life. Because the places that look like heaven, He's got dominion and reign. The places that don't look like heaven, you, don't. you need to kill the cow. So if you want it there, you can just submit it. Nothing, nothing, he wants to bring heaven everywhere. He wants this earth to look like our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be on earth. As it is in heaven? Why would we pray that if it's already being done down here? Because it's not. And He left you here to go and establish the government and the kingdom and the rule and the reign of God, firstly in you, secondly through you. Alright, I'm going to pray for you now. I'm going to proclaim 
Heavenly's desires, Heavenly's plan, Heavenly's will, Heavenly's wish over you. This is why all of the Scriptures always point towards this perfection. Always points towards like the garden. Always points towards heaven. Because they, the Father wants this to, to rewrite your reality and to believe and, and hope for and, and experience and imagine in your life what it looks like. What would your life look like in the Garden of Eden before the stupid? What is your life going to look like in heaven after the stupid? That's what He wants it to look like now. He gave you a picture. You can drive to it. It's a map. You can get on the road and go. And it can be awesome right here and right now. And you can take these flippers and go put kingdom on folk. Just walk around and say, hey, you want some heaven? Sure, how much does it cost? It's free. <laughs> Freely you've received. Freely give. You, you want some? Alright, I'll take it. Bam! What was that? That was my father's love. I'm going to pronounce a blessing over you. But the words are what carry the power. I'm going to quote the Father. So these words are eternal and they're anointed. This is the universal sign of I'm ready to receive. Thank you so much for sharing a few moments with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of His precious, life-changing Word. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of Pastor Steve Castle and Beloved Church, please visit us online at BelovedChurchIllinois.com or call us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are part of the beloved family of God, and at Beloved Church, this is where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. Beloved, I pray, I desire, I declare that above all things, that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved. Speak life.